don't forget to follow us on our Facebook page, Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast, on Twitter, at RealGilbertACP, and on Instagram, Gilbert Podfried, P-O-D-F-R-I-E-D. You see, it's kind of a pun on the last name. Ah, never mind. This is Gilbert Gottfried, and this is Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Frank Santo Padre, and due to popular demand, basically my kids wanting me out of the house, we've started to try out some live episodes taped in front of an audience. And this week, we travel to Caroline's on Broadway, my home club, to talk to our old friend, Louis Black. Give it a listen. You'll laugh. You might even learn something. Yeah, that'll happen. Let me introduce you to our sponsor, Zero. That's X-E-R-O. Zero is beautiful accounting software built to help small businesses be more productive and successful. Zero, spelled X-E-R-O, is easy to use. Send invoices, online quotes to customers, pay your employees, manage your cash flow expenses, and even your inventory with Zero. Zero is in the cloud, so you can access and manage all of your business and accounting on the go. Zero does what desktop software does and more. Plus, you can use it anywhere at any time from your mobile device. For example, if you're working and traveling, you can send invoices easily on the go and clients can pay online instantly. If you've set up shop, Zero can integrate with various point-of-sale solutions and services like PayPal to save you even more time. Sign up for a free 30-day trial at Zero.com slash podcast. That's Zero, X-E-R-O, dot com slash podcast X-E-R-O and it's easy to use and even an idiot like me can use it and trust me I'm an idiot Hi, I'm Gilbert Gottfried and this is Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast with my co-host Frank Santo Padre and uh, we're here at Caroline's on Broadway in New York City, a place I think I've been to once or twice Several before. Times. We, we, Gilbert and I were talking. We were here together working 1994. 
Yes. Yeah. I was a writer on a show called Caroline's Comedy Hour. I don't know how many people here remember that. Roasted by the late, great Rich Jenny. Thank you, all four of you, who remember that. Yes. And Gilbert did the, uh, he did a, an indecent proposal spoof where he was Robert Redford. Yeah. In the tux. Coach, you, you can see the resemblance. Find the clip online. It's great. So, um... Our, our guest today is a comedian, author, playwright, actor, and social critic, and the angriest man in show business, not named Alec Baldwin. <laughs> He's written New York Times bestsellers, won an Emmy, a Grammy, and an American Comedy Award and performs to sold-out crowds in clubs and theaters all over the world. His new film, Pixar's Inside Out, in which he plays the character, yes, you guessed it, Anger, (laughs) opens on June 19th. Please welcome our pal, Louis Black. I remember when we used to play uh, to less people in this room. (laughs) (laughs) Now, let's start off with a very important thing. Uh, You just found out, because I told you that Cary Grant was Jewish. Yeah. Yeah. That's a fucking shock. (laughs) How is that? I mean, seriously, how is that possible? It doesn't seem, yeah. I mean, because his mother seems like she must have been like a German milkmaid. Yeah, how did you find out? Yeah, it's in the secret June news. (laughs) I got to subscribe. His name was Archie Leach. It was hardly a Jewish name. Yeah, but but was was a Jew. Wow, I am. You know, something would have been good to know when we were like nine. (laughs) Now it doesn't fucking help at all. No, (laughs) I heard Mayor Fiorello Laguardia was a Jew. <laughs> no, you know. Yeah. No, with that name. Yes. Fiorello LaGuardia yes. was a Jew. Was a Jew. I thought he was one of my people. Where do you Who read knew? this stuff on, like, kosher <laughs> well, food you labels? Could, <laughs> you could be Italian and a Jew, like Chico Marx. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the show's educational, Lewis. <laughs> now, now, uh, are you a Jew? Because oh, yeah. by looking at you, you wouldn't be able to tell. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah really. <laughs> In Europe, I pass. <laughs> In Europe, they, I'm serious. If, if it ever gets intense here, I'm fucking going there. They can't tell. <laughs> I, I'm, I mean it. They think I'm Italian. And I, and I go, great, yes. Yes. Yes, I am. You talk with your hands. Yes. And, yeah. I do, and I'm very expressive. Right. No, the... Uh, um, uh, I am I am a Jew and and uh, uh, but I'm not. Now, hey, like, I you know when when he says he's a Jew, <laughs> I hate to like do a break in the show. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to do ask for a second take, but <laughs> when he says I'll give you the signal, 
to say you're a Jew. And then I won a tremendous round of applause and cheering. Oh, so what nationality are you? Uh, well, uh, uh, I'm a Jew. You actually speak a little Hebrew, don't you, Lewis? I mean, now that we're on the subject, you went to Hebrew school. I went to Hebrew school, and... uh I had. That's how you learned to be a Jew. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, you had no idea. <laughs> I, went, I went, you know, to practice for my bar mitzvah, and um, they, uh, I, and because things weren't going well in regular school, <laughs> I, I, I found a place where I could excel because most kids don't give a fuck about learning Hebrew. But I thought, boy, I can beat these bastards at this. And. <laughs> So I ended up, I had a massive, I had like a 50,000 word vocabulary yeah. in Hebrew at one point in my life. And there was nobody to fucking talk to. <laughs> did, you, did you have to learn? Did you learn it? I, I, I know, no. I, the, the only uh, thing I know is... <laughs> Gil, did you have a bar mitzvah? I never asked you no, that question. No, I never had. Why never not? Never was bar mitzvah. I'm a bad Jew. <laughs> of course, that's redundant, isn't it? <laughs> Now, Lewis is a big fan of the Amish. I was reading in your book, yeah. your, in your, Me of Little Faith. I like you admire the, the Amish. Yeah, because they don't fuck with you. <laughs> they do what they do, you know? They basically, they're Christians or, or, in, or Satanists. Who knows what's up? <laughs> but, they, but they just do it. They don't fucking go around going, hey, you should, you should ride, a, you know, you should uh, not, uh, you know, use motorized shit and ride behind a horse and sell cocaine in villages. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, I think their slogan is "We're the Amish, don't fuck with us." <laughs> and and now, um, Harrison Ford uh, is a good friend of the Amish. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and he fell in love with that lesbian Amish girl. Kelly <laughs> <Ellie> McGillis. <laughs> what? Who's that lesbian Amish girl? Kelly again? McGillis. Kelly McGillis, yes. Yeah, we would have been here for an hour trying to remember that. <laughs> it's my job. <laughs> she just announced like a year ago. Maybe a little she longer was, ago. Well, all yeah. right, two years yeah. ago. Yeah. Gilbert, you love the Amish, too. Yes. She said, uh, I'm a lesbian, and the whole world said, uh, who are you again? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Kelly, uh, help us out here. Yeah. <laughs> Could you toss us a bone here? <laughs> Say something in Hebrew, Jew boy. 
This is. I have cleared my act of all. You know, there's three mentions of it, and now you're just driving me back into it. I got you know Baruch Atah and Oyel Ohenu Malakolam Mishir Kidshanu B'Mitzvah Tavitz Ivanu Ladlik Shir Ner Shel Hanukkah or some something like that. Let's hear it! Hey! Yeah, the fact that you applauded that <laughs> is really, it's appalling. <laughs> See, it paid off. Hebrew paid off. Now, now you do a lot of political shit. <laughs> this, this George Washington. <laughs> <laughs> were those teeth wood or were they made out of ivory? <laughs> it, was, it was wood. It was wood. I, I learned that at the Smithsonian. No, I heard it wasn't wood. But, well, I trust you because apparently you know shit that no one else knows. You have a book and, somewhere. And George Washington was a Jew, surprisingly. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just found that out in the newsletter. <laughs> We were recording a mini episode before we do these show. We do another another show about where we just pick movies that we love. And Gilbert remembered the tagline from the poster from a Jamie Lee Curtis movie called Terror Train. Yeah. And yet he couldn't remember the name of the show when we were doing the introduction for the actual podcast. We have sel- selective memory. Yeah, for Terror Train it was the girls and boys of Sigma Phi. Some will live and some will die. That's right. <laughs> Anybody remember that? <laughs> oh, man. I, no, I don't remember He has it. selective memory. Boy, that's yeah. unbelievable. David Copperfield was in that. He was. As a magician. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's a Jew. <laughs> that's usually the guys who they told us were Jews. David Copperfield, the magician, is yeah. a Jew. Jaime <laughs> Schwartz, the mime, he's a Jew. <laughs> See, now, I think, see, for a while they thought, like, Billy Joel was the ultimate case of a Jew with a shiksa and, like, spitting on his parents to be with this big shiksa. And I think David Copperfield outdid him because he was going with a German. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Model true. Claudia Schiffer. Yeah, well, yeah that's right. Him. But that made me think she was a hermaphrodite. <laughs> <laughs> That something had to be wrong. I used to, we used to work, I used to work the MGM Grand in, in uh, Las Vegas, and I would, I would be the act that would come in. He would be there for three weeks, and then I came in for like a week, and so all of his shit was backstage, and, I, and it took everything I had not to go back and fuck. <laughs> fuck with his boxes and his magic shit. <laughs> What was your opinion of Doug Henning? <laughs> I, I never had a thought. Canadian. Is he Canadian, Canadian really? Doug Henning? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the late Doug Henning. And his nationality. 
Marty Short does the best dog hunting in the world. <laughs> what did you grow up? You grew up in Silver Spring in, in Maryland. Maryland. Yeah. yeah well, what, so we asked this of all of our oh, guests. See, that didn't get it. See, uh, Silver Spring didn't get the same reaction that the Jew did. No. <laughs> what did you grow up watching, Lou? I watched, um, like I watched Gunsmoke. Yeah. I mean, I remember that one. She's, uh, uh, I. You know, I watched all. You know what? I, all right, look. The ones that really I watched that really had the effect. Um, Amos and Andy. I thought Amos and Andy was fucking brilliant. Well, uh, hello there. <laughs> yeah, I know you do. You do that. I'm yeah. going to steer yeah. clear of that. You, you, you work on that for a while. I'm glad you went down that road, Lou. <laughs> I, I, I knew it, it could coming. lead to nothing but trouble. As, as opposed to me, you want to hold on to your career. <laughs> No, it's not so much my career, but the people bothering you, you know, the calling up. Is it true you're on that podcast and did that strange black accent? Hey, can you name the two white? Because they were originally white. Gosnell? Was it something? Was it, was it G? Yeah, they this were is, on radio. Yeah, Charles. Yeah. Free, Freeman Gostin uh, yeah, and Freeman Charles Carell. Charles Kuralt was on. No, was, was on Amos and Andy. <laughs> Surprising, well, versatile. Yeah, no, they were. Wow. Uh, but I watched, uh, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm still kind of stunned that they took it out of circulation. <laughs> I, 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 seriously, because it's not. There's nothing really to me racist about that show. Uh, you know, being the white Jew that I am, I will make this judgment. But, but only because it's everything that I learned in in, in fucking theater school. About uh, you know, basically goes back to Italian comedy. You have the you know this the, the, the all of them are stock fucking characters. They could have been white. They were fucking funny. He sold them a house that was in Central oh, Park. Yes. The Kingfish. That was just the Kingfish <laughs> sold this house, and it was just that the front of the house. There was no house. How fucking good is that? It doesn't have to do with black or white. It's the brilliance of pulling off that comic turn. It may, and it fucking fucked me up as a, I thought, God damn it, that's funny. And Amos and Andy, see, people had that knee-jerk reaction. Yeah. You say Amos and Andy, it's like, oh, that was racist. Yeah. No one saw it. Most people haven't watched it. Yeah, he, but, I mean, he sold... Uh, he sold him rabbits. He sold kingfish sold rabbits uh, to uh, Andy. We should uh, explain that the kingfish was a con artist. It was a con yeah, artist. Who, and it was, he would make his teams. money off of Andy, the, right. who was uh, kind of uh, didn't get it. And uh, he, saw, he, wa- he sold them these uh, rabbits in telling them that they were chinchillas. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so that he could make and how much money he'd make off of this. And he had a chart and stuff. And you just go, wow. Even... I, it was one of those things that and uh, and the same show in its in in its own fashion, which is why I I don't think it was it was was uh, Bilko, which was Sergeant Bilko, which was brilliant and had and, and and a ton of great comedy writers came from there and but the, that show in essence same fucking construct. You Bilko the con man with right. a bunch of fucking morons surrounded by him. Right. But you added the layer of the U.S. Army that he could fuck with. And that's, and that's where I started to really get into my little, well, it became big, my anti-authoritarian shit. You know, that's like really, because it was, I mean, 
I think one of the reasons that the Army never appealed to me was because uh, they, they, to me, the greatest single episode to me in television history, for at least in terms of its effect on me, but I just think brilliant, they induct a chimp into the Army. <laughs> and, I mean, how good is that? And, and it's a, they're bringing the, and the, it's because what they, because what the Army has decided, which is so perfectly, and I was born and raised around Washington, so it was so perfect that the Army was going to create, uh, make, do things better and faster by inducting, you know, a thousand people instead of like 50 or 100. So they're sending these people through, and the, the, like the, the monkey shows up, his feet are there, the, the doctor's looking down at the monkey's feet, and he takes his, he just, he just looked at 500 feet, and he's going like, and then the chimp walks on, and he just goes, okay. And, and then the chimp gets his name because the shrink is talking to him. And what's your name? It was in, it was, it, it already, it was Private Harry Speak Up. Because he wouldn't talk. So he goes, speak up, speak up. And then the one behind him took down Private Harry Speak Up. Then he's inducted into the Army. But Bilko wants a three-day pass. Fucking, I know this is insane that I'm even saying this shit. A three-day pass? What does that mean, Lewis? It means you get off the fucking Army base for three days. So, um, he... Uh, they, he, he tells the, 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 uh, the guy in charge, won't give him, you know, the commander there, won't give him the pass. So he says, you know, well, then I'm, the chimp stays in the army because you gotta, you're going to have to uh, court-martial the chimp to get the chimp out of the army. <laughs> so the whole last third of this fucking episode is them trying the chimp to, in a court-martial. Brilliant. And that was truly to me. I, I just, that was it. I said, I'm not joining the army. <laughs> And that was created by Nat Hiken, Nat Hiken. Yeah. who was brilliant. And he loved, like, funny-looking people. And it's like, you know, it's supposed <laughs> to, like, years later, they'd be friends yeah. where everyone looks like a model yeah. on that show. Right. And he also created another show I love, and that's Car 54. Yeah, sure. which I watched. Sure. Uh, yeah, sure. Watched that. Uh, that one I watched, you know, religiously. Too. Fred Gwynn and, uh, and Al Lewis before yeah. the Monsters. And who's the other guy? Who's the short guy? You'll oh, know. Uh, no. Oh, well, he's, he's Jewish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On car well, 54? Also, oh, let's see. I'll, I'll, well, Joey Ross. Yeah, Joey Ross mm-hmm. was, was his it. partner. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Who was uh, one of the many comics to go, ooh, ooh. Because <laughs> Hunt Hall also would go, ooh, ooh. And there's one of the few things. Here's an, an interesting, it's, it's something that n- no one cares about but me. Um, my, my father was a friend of Hunts Hall's. Really? Oh, they were wow. born in the same neighborhood in That's New York. Great. Yeah, the Lower East Side. Who remembers Hunts Hall? Show of hands. <laughs> yep. You'll yeah, this, now. Is, this is what life was like in the 30s, you little fucks. <laughs> <laughs> Hunts Hall was part of the Bowery Boys. Yeah. yeah. yeah with Leo Along Gorsi. with Leo, Leo Gorsi. Gorsi and Leo Gorsi. Another Jew. There you Half go. a Jew. <laughs> Irish Jewish. Leo Garst. You should start a and, business. And, just identifying <laughs> a cottage industry. Identifying his Jew- father. <laughs> Was Bernard Garcia? That's right. Who uh, ran Louis Candy Store? Yeah, Louis Dombrowski. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, you boys, <laughs> get out of my soda shop! <laughs> it's a little like Stinky from yes, Abbott Costello. Yeah. It's a, li- a, a little bit of Joe Besser. <laughs> Joe Besser. Yeah. When he would pop up on Abbott and Costello. This is what the show's about, <laughs> folks. 
He used to, as a kid, I would watch it, and I was very disturbed. Joe Besser? When, yeah, when he showed up. <laughs> yeah. He scared me. Well, Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld were such fans of that show that the Newman character... Wayne Knight's character, Newman, on Seinfeld, was basically based on Stinky. They just wanted to do this homage. You can look Is it up. I'm really? not making it up. They wanted this character who was an antagonist of the main character. So I, Newman I've is learned more stinky. in the last 15 minutes than you wanted to know. <laughs> do you know that Nat Hiken, this never happened. And I'm going to get a pad. Yeah. <laughs> And, and it's, it's an outrage that it didn't. Nat Hyken wanted to write for the Marx Brothers. Wow. And, and, but the studios had their own writers. And this was at the point where the Marx Brothers were like, you know, the big star. Oh, and, Love Happy. Yeah, yeah. Love uh, Happy right. at the circus. Right. They were on the, the skits. Really, yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, that, wow. that's something that could have been. You must have been a fan of Duck Soup. Oh, it was huge. That yeah. was another one of those things. That that whole thing where they go from war to war to war, where they're just oh, changing yes. wars and the, <laughs> what they're dressed in and their costumes. I love that. That movie is... It's a, so ahead of its time. Oh, we yeah, were talking no. about it with another one of our guests. I'm trying to remember who we talked about. Was it maybe Roger Corman or somebody we were maybe talking about? Maybe Margaret Dumont. I, no. <laughs> <laughs> right I think it was... Actually, it was Alan Zweibel. But that brings us to Groucho. You were telling us a story in the green room about a friend that was that was developing a television show. With Groucho? No, that you you said you, you had a friend you had a friend that was developing a television show and they told him the demo was too oh, old. Oh yeah, no, yeah, that's yeah, the um, yeah because it was the punchline. That's why I didn't fucking remember it. Um, <laughs> my friend had a show, uh, the first real kind of like uh, show where you could see comics, uh, in, in, but predating the Caroline's Comedy Hour and a bunch of the improv, and was a thing called Kamikaze on MTV. I don't know how many of you ever saw it, but Kamikaze was, uh, it was like it lasted 28 episodes. My fr- the guy who I work with now, John Bowman, who's my opening act, um, was brought, went out to LA, the, the guys, uh, they, and, they, and MTV did, you know, what MTV could do, took something that was really nice and just fucking hammered at it <laughs> until it was an inordinate piece of shit. So he, a, a really brilliant physical comic, they basically uh, took him and made him just a head. So all you ever saw was his head bouncing around, and he would introduce comics, and he wanted to bring people like myself who had not really, nobody knew who the fuck I was, and, and other f- folks, and I was 32, 34 at the time, and uh, they said that uh, I skewed too old for the MTV demographic, <laughs> and, and so did some of the others, and, uh, and some who were even, some were older, and... Uh, so he said to the folks at MTV, he said, what are you talking about? Age has nothing to do with comedy. He said, my first comic hero, um, uh, was uh, I was uh, seven years old, and my hero was Groucho Marx. And not only was he old, he was dead. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> it's so good. Now, two people in Duck Soup... <laughs> One of them is Lewis Calhern. Sure. Wow, yeah. Uh, yeah. Who's yeah. the head of uh, Sylvania. Sylvania. Yes. was the yeah. competing country, the uh, opposing yeah. country. Groucho's country is Fredonia. Fredonia. Yeah. And, but the other one, the prosecutor during that big crazy trial scene is Robert Middleton, best oh, known as uh, 
This is the I, this is the end for you, Flash Gordon. Oh, he was Ming the Merciless. He was Ming the Merciless. Good stuff. And he was like started as a song and dance man. Oh, the what? <laughs> what do you do during the day? Yes. <laughs> you found us out. This is how this podcast came to be, Lewis. Wow. We would sit on the phone for three hours at a time with him on the road, bored, watching Canadian television and talk about Charles Middleton. Wow. And we said, we said, why don't we do a show? In fact, I'll tell you something really pathetic. While you... Not like the stuff before. You were saying your friend's name, Bowman? John Bowman, yes. That when you said that, in my mind, I got, it lit up. Oh, that's like Dr. Bomer in Ghost of Frankenstein, (laughs) where Lionel Atwill was Dr. Bomer. And, uh, and, and... (laughs) And Lon Chaney Jr. was the monster yeah. in that. Well, you know, like that I remember. Yeah. <laughs> and Lugosi was back. Right, as, yeah. So they put Lugosi's brain, Igor's brain, in Lon Chaney Jr.'s body. It's true. And, and he's there in the Frankenstein makeup talking, and he goes, You gave, you gave me the wrong brain. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I can see Dr. Boomer. <laughs> what good are what good is all the strength without brains to see? Without eyes to see. Let me give and, the audience some, some contemporary context on Lionel Atwell. Uh, Lionel Atwill was parodied by Kenneth Mars in Young Frankenstein. Wow. His character, this character who's doing this with the mechanical arm, is a spoof of Lionel Atwill's character wow. in, I believe, Son of Frankenstein. Uh, yeah, in Son of Frankenstein, that's where Lugosi first appeared as yeah. Igor. And, I'm uh, trying to bring them up into the early 20th century. <laughs> at least. <laughs> Moving along slightly. Ow! Move them as far as Glenn Strange. That's it. As the monster, Glenn and I'm Strange. not going any further. <laughs> any, any further than that. Glenn Strange played the monster in Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein because, because Karloff wouldn't slum and be in an Abbott and Costello movie. And he was the bartender on Gunsmoke to yes. bring it back to Lewis. Yes. And Gunsmoke. We've come full circle, oh. folks. Wow. 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 I'm exhausted. <laughs> Still alive, who I want on the show, is Janet Ann Gallo, who's the little girl who befriends Lon Chaney Jr.'s monster yeah. in Ghost of Frankenstein, is still alive. She's 114, but yeah. she's still alive. As is Donnie Donegan. Yes. Uh, from. <laughs> Donnie Donegan's family is here tonight. No, when you uh, when you when you get a hold of her, if you could, and you're going to have her on the podcast, could you get me an email? Yeah. <laughs> Send-
send me, notify me immediately. By the way, her, her entire career was 30 seconds in Frankenstein. That she's thrown in the well. And she's 104 or something like that. So it's going to be a very short episode. No, I, I think she also worked with Ivan and Costello oh. in Mexican Hayride. We... we <laughs> You know, Lewis. What no, was, no. Um, that one was over. That's really over the cliff. <laughs> we, we were going to interview a woman named Carla Lemley, who was the granddaughter of Carl Lemley, who was the founder of Universal Pictures. In right. fact, she's the. She's and she's the little girl who says the first line in Dracula. She's riding in the carriage. Yeah. You know, that, yeah. So we we uh, said, oh, we'll definitely have her. The next day, the obituary. She died the next day. <laughs> that is a true story. Oh my. And and since we mentioned Avin and Costello, <laughs> you must be familiar with. Uh, uh, with if, if I'm with, not, I will be. With the Bud and Lou. A TV movie oh, starring God. Harvey Corman and Buddy Hackett. No. Okay. <laughs> you don't want to be. Okay. No, that well, wouldn't... Well, so you missed... It was a classic death scene. My what? favorite death scene of all time. <laughs> Wait a second. We should give them some context. Yes. This is Buddy Hackett playing Luke Costello in a TV movie about Luke Costello and Bud Abbott's life, which was absolutely terrible. Yeah. Called Bud and Luke. They, they look like two guys who had never seen Abbott and Costello. <laughs> and so Costello is, is in his deathbed in the hospital. <laughs> And his his agent uh, Eddie Eddie Sherman, uh, played by Artie Johnson. Wow! Yes! Wow! From laughing, you know, very interesting. Yes. And so he comes in, and and he's he's he slips. Uh, he reaches under his jacket that he smuggles into the hospital, and it's his takeout cup. And he says, I, I got you a strawberry malted because you're a good boy. And, and Buddy Hackett, Buddy Hackett as Lou Costello, he's very weak and his head is back in the hospital bed. And he takes a sip and he goes, you know, I, I hire a lot of strawberry maltage in my Day. But this one's the best. <laughs> and then he closes his eyes and dies. <laughs> oh, wow. Look. <laughs> I wondered, after hearing this, <laughs> the people who hear the podcast, do you think they race out? Yeah. Go, yeah. Fuck, I've got to really see the original? Yeah. Why would you want to see the original? That's ten times better. I saw, I didn't even see the original. I'm not going to, that's fucking as good as it's going to get. What do you need, a build-up to that? i got to see the whole movie now? <laughs> 
And their their version of who's on first is so dreadful. Oh, it's, it's hard. It, as Gil says, as Gil says, it's like they've never seen the routine in their lives. Oh, wow. Tried hard. It, it's like you know, what's the fella's name on first base? What? Your father's name on second base. Lou, tell us about, uh, in your book, you talk about seeing the Beatles for the first time on the Solid Show. No, I never saw it. Oh, no. You reference a movie that another group of people did that played the Beatles, and it was Schlebby Maconda and Fruity Taka. Schlebby Maconda. Moist Kakang. I would fucking I heard shoot Schlebby, myself. Schlebby Maconda was a Jew. <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, I saw the... Uh, the, the <laughs> It's, it just seems so meaningless now. <laughs> I, I saw the Beatles. I, I saw the first time they uh, they were on Sullivan. February 9th, 64. 64, and I was um, uh, 16. And uh, it was... Uh, uh, I, and I, uh, and I f- fucking yelled like a little girl. <laughs> I did. It was like... It was weird. It was very weird. you got to realize... Nothing was, you know, I'm, I'm, you, you're born and raised in the 50s. It's like, um, this was the 50s. Let's, let's, you know, s- spam is like the height of culinary fashion. <laughs> Macaroni and cheese is like a breakthrough for Americans. It's a, it's a horrific kind of a time, but, but very comfortable. And, um, and then the Beatles showed up, and literally, I jumped up and down. I mean, you fucking, it was so different from anything we'd heard before. Uh, and I'd seen Elvis on it, but I was young, much younger, and it didn't have that kind of a... But this really was mind-boggling, and... Uh, and you just started to track them. I mean, it was like insane that right. that happened. And then I saw, and the first live concert I went to was the, was that year. I went to see the Rolling Stones, and um, and I and I and it was the first time I even considered dancing in in public because I saw you know I saw a, a fucking Mick Jagger was dancing around. I said, well, if that prick can dance. <laughs> And that was really stunning, too. It was really, like, extraordinary. I mean, it was just like out of... It was like somebody ripped something off. You know, it was like all of a sudden it was like... And then I wasn't in the... we, I read, this was how fucked up things were. My friends and I would read about marijuana, but couldn't get our fucking hands on it. And you had a transistor radio. I was reading in the book. You had an old transistor radio. Yeah, Emerson, eight transistors. You tuned to WABC in New York. I did. And and rock and roll just kind of... Yeah, with Cousin Brucey. Changed your life. It did. It was the beginning. There was two sections of my rock and roll life in terms of that. I listened. And I listened. I was living in Silver Spring, Maryland, which is like... Now Silver Spring is like a city. Um, I mean, it's a fucking boom town there, and there's shit to do, and it's fun. 
And back when I was there, there was fucking nothing. Not a goddamn thing, you know, like uh, not even a spring, fucking nothing. And uh, and the uh, um, and so at, at night while I was doing my homework, uh, I would I'd, I'd listen to the, I'd listen to Cousin Bruce in New York, and it was like this far, you know. And I would visit New York. My family would come up here. So I, I was always kind of excited by it, but it, there was, you know, that life of with your family and the let's go to Chichas and have some Indian little, you know, another Passover, whoopee fucking do. Let's have some matzah brai. That's something if you're looking for a suicidal way out, matzah brai. Just shove it in your mouth until you can't chew anymore. Death by cement, and uh, so uh, so. Listen, you know, I just found out <laughs> that matzo is something juicy. Yeah, I, I just I wasn't aware of this. <laughs> so, so, I, so I listened to. I listened to, to it as if it were like this whole life that was going on, and, yeah. that, and it was much more interesting than my life, and that I, I just kind of gravitated to it. I mean, I listened to it every night, and it was, just seemed to be another life. And then uh, my first job was in this... Uh, I, uh, I cleaned, I cleaned uh, freezers in a... Um, in a in my, uh, friend of my family's, they had a... Uh, a vending machine company and I you know like with bad sandwiches and stuff and then I would have to clean the freezer it's a heinous job but the music that I played there was downtown Washington D.C. and that was all um, basically considered you know soul music so that was all an all black station and that was like another like holy fuck there's a whole other world going on in terms of music and and in the meantime I was learning the piano uh, from a woman who had arthritis Like, so it was, and I kept thinking, boy, I'd really like to do music. And then you go show up there, and it, she was like in her late sixties, and you, and it cost a buck a lesson, and uh, there was a reason because the smell of death was in the room. <laughs> <laughs> and you, she would play, and you'd look at these wizened hands like a parakeet. You know, how a parakeet has those claws. <laughs> I went, why the fuck would I want to learn this instrument? <laughs> so that was the end of my music career. And I couldn't sing. I, I remember, I found out, I used to listen for stuff on the Beatles from Murray the K. Sure, Murray yeah, the yeah. K, the fifth yeah. Beatle. Yeah. 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 Oh, by the way. <laughs> Jewish. <laughs> He's not, is he? Murray Kaufman. Yeah, Murray yeah. Kaufman. <laughs> Jewish? <laughs> Cousin Brucey's... <laughs> Cousin Brucey's still doing his thing? Yes. He's still on Sirius? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. We're going to have him on the show. You, are you? Yeah, well, eventually. Well, I'm going to warn him. Yeah, warn him. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us a story about... Speaking of TV, and I love this story. You did a pilot with my old boss, Joy Behar. Well, actually, we didn't do the pilot. You never did the pilot? No. Okay. No, because that's the story of my career. (laughs) Young comics will say, there was a series, and Louis Black wasn't on it. uh, (laughs) 
but it was the first real break I had uh, uh, in in terms of this kind of thing. I was uh, I was performing Catch a Rising Star um, when where when it was on the it was on the Upper East Side, and uh, they approached me and said that um, they were the producers of a, a show that was uh, going to be starring Joy Behar called The Rock, and in which she would play a principal. And they wanted somebody to play the social studies teacher, and they were going to take my act and basically write the character based on my act. And I went, well, you know, fuck, yeah, sure. And then they did it, and um, and I got it. It was it was me. I mean, it was my act. I mean, it was really a lot of it. And, and I was the only one on the, at that point. You know, I was the guy on the series who smoked. When you could still smoke on television, even when you, even that, I couldn't even get the smoking job. So, so, so I, uh, I they flew me out, and um, we got there. And this was this was the first hint that things weren't going to go well. We were talking about how you know when your career is ending or something is going to go yeah. wrong. We were talking about it before Gilbert and I, and I. They, and my friend John Bowman actually picked me up and dropped me off at this hotel. And he opened the door and uh, he said, oh, hello. They, the, 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 the bellman came out. He said, you must be the new bellman. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that was kind of a tip that things weren't going to go my way. I went and auditioned at CBS, my first big audition, the first time. And what they do is just, it's... It's horrible what they do. They get a group of actors, and they put you in this room outside, and then you go in, and you appear. At that point, there were 15 suits in the room. And, uh, and I did it. I did it, and uh, with uh, Joy and I, I did the, the, the scene, and, uh, and we did it again, and it was funny. And I thought I was great, you know, because I'm me. <laughs> <laughs> you were good as you. I thought I was pretty good, and I literally—I walked to the door, and uh, and I, this is one of the things when you go in for these auditions, you always hear afterwards. So I kind of knew. I said, uh, "They go, you know, they'll go. Oh, he was good, but you know, we didn't get to see. We'd like to have seen more colors, which is the word they use because they don't know what emotions are." <laughs> <laughs> So I said, would you, would you like to see, um, would you like to see me do it again? You know, I can do this in a number of different ways. And they said, I said, you know, because I know that you're, you're looking for probably a lot of colors in this, and I may not have given you all of them. And they said, no, no, that was terrific. And I, I closed the door, because I knew this was like it. What the fuck? I'm not, this to me was I was going to get this. They were going to fuck me. It was never going to happen again. So I closed the door, opened it back up, and come back, and they said... Would you like to see me tap dance? <laughs> and the room was stunned, and I, and, and they went, oh, no. And I said, then why the fuck did I take the lessons? And I slammed the door. <laughs> <laughs> and that was that. And then, uh, and then three days later, they told me uh, they gave the job to somebody else. They, as I've said time and again, they found a better me. <laughs> who knew there was somebody spending their whole life becoming a better me? And you'll know who this is, and you'll probably know his fucking resume. <laughs> or his grandfather's work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
Paul Joe Sand. Oh, Paul Sand, oh, sure. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. Friends and lovers. Yes. Yeah. He, he was in the hot rock. That's right. With, <laughs> with, with George Siegel. And uh, Rob, Ron Liebman. Robert Redford. Wow. And uh, I think Moses Gunn. Was yes. It, Moses Gunn was in that. And Zero Mustel. Correct. Oh, and William Renfield. Yes. Yes. William Redfield was in, uh, yeah, well, never mind. <laughs> What's the point? <laughs> William Redfield was in Cuckoo's Nest. Wow. You'd know him if you saw him. He was one of the patients at Cuckoo's Nest. I can't, I can't remember what happened yesterday. <laughs> You guys curb your enthusiasm, fans? Yeah. Well, Paul Sand was the cook that they hire for the restaurant that has Tourette's syndrome that starts cursing. That's Paul Sand. Well, Paul Sand. Brilliant actor and comedian. And they gave it to him, and then the show didn't go because. uh, But Paul Sand called me and said, um, I I love doing your character. (laughs) Would you. Would you want to write a comedy, you know, write a, a TV pilot for me? And I said, I, why would I write it for you? I can't even fucking write it for myself. <laughs> and that was, that, was, that, was it. that was it, and we were done. That was your first audition as an actor. That was my first yeah. major. I'd, I'd, done, yeah. I'd been in um, Hannah and Her Sisters. I'd done things, you know. I'd, I'd been in a couple of things, but uh, that was the first really, holy fuck, we could make a living. We're not going to die. <laughs> right. <laughs> Joy hates L.A. so much. I'm sure she was happy it didn't fly. I'm probably, yeah. You know, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. You know. Now, didn't you try to sell a show where they told you it was too funny? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my friend, my friend Richard Dresser and I uh, had written this piece. Mostly Richard had. He's a really. He'd, uh, he he was the, one of the writers on the Days and Nights of Molly Dodd and uh, Blair Brown, and then of course you could go on for a decade. Terrific show. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, but Richard, Richard and I had this idea, and I, I, I literally for the life of me I can't remember the idea itself. It doesn't fucking matter. You just hang, you're hanging me on it with some other people, and that's the fucking. It's just a way to get to fucking twenty two minutes. So um, so we uh, we. It was a funny idea, and we took it in, and it was FX, FX early on, FX before Louie, FX before Mark Maron, FX before, FX is, you know, it's brand now, Portlandia, no, that's, is Portlandia FX too? Uh, Oh, it's IFC, those fucks, they fucked me too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was hard for me to remember, because Richard and I got fucked at both of those places, so... And we go in and we do it, and, we, and, and they're, they're holding on to it, and they like it, and da 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 And then it disappears. We don't hear anything. And all we, literally all you want to do when you do that is hopefully, the, the, the most you really hope for is to have the pilot filmed so you actually learn something, so you see it. So even if they reject it, you've kind of come full circle with it, and you've got some idea of, of what the fuck you wrote. <laughs> and, um, and they said... Uh, and they actually said, we couldn't find out, we couldn't find out. And then finally, Richard's agent um, got, a, got, got to talk to them. And they said, you know, the problem is it's just, it's too funny for FX. <laughs> I said, why don't you make up something else? Can't these fuckers? <laughs> how, how can something be too funny? Oh, you know, what? boy, we can't put it on. These people laugh so hard. People were dying. <laughs> 
bragging on their own phlegm. They get fucking spitting up, spitting up their goddamn, you know, fucking lungs were being flown across the room. They were laughing so goddamn hard, those fucks. IFC, those fucks did the same thing, those pricks. IFC called us to bring him a fucking pilot. Hey, come on in. We want to. We want you to. It's like, hey, you know, it's like, why don't you? You know what? Bend over here, and we're gonna. We got a stick of butter. We're gonna shove it up your ass, Luke. I mean, it was unbelievable. We, they fucking called us. Me and Richard and another friend of mine who didn't need to get fucked in the ass either, and they bring us in. And then we do it, and we pitch it, and they love it, and done it, and done. Could you just give us eight pages? Well, you never fucking write eight pages, ever, unless they pay you. But we were so sure that these fucks were going to buy it. They wrote the eight pages, and they went, nah, no. It's not our kind. You know what they said on that show? It's not edgy enough. I went, how the fuck in the course course of my career did I go from being edgy to fucking, now I'm mainstream? (laughs) You bastards. (laughs) (laughs) And and David Kelly, the great David E. Kelly, Mm -hmm. wrote a show for you. Wrote a show to star you. Yes, he did. That went south, too. Yeah, everything. <laughs> everything is... Uh, um, that was uh, called um, Harry's Law. Harry's Law was a show that was uh, written specifically for me. David Kelly is the, one of the nicest men on earth and, uh, and really extraordinary, an extraordinary gentleman. And he, he called up... He, he came to see me in San Francisco, and he said... And this is something you hear. I'm sure Gilbert's heard this a thousand times. I'm, I'm going to write for something for you, and I really want to work with you. Oh, yes, you yes. Know, I said yeah. it to him. You know, and, uh, <laughs> and I mean, said, now look where he you is. Know, and, and I'm going to be in touch with your agent. Yeah. Well, they, you hear that all the time, and then you never see these fucks again. And the next time, they say the same fucking thing. So David Kelly came backstage with his son and said, you know, I'm writing a, a pilot for you. And uh, I said, you know, that's really very nice. And he said... David Kelly, who created Picket Fences and Allie McBeal Neil, and yeah. many other... Doogie yeah, Hauser. And, and, and uh, Boston, Boston... Boston Legal. My, great, my mother's great. favorite show. So my mother was like, this is it. You know, this is, this is like fucking... My mother is, is going to ascend to heaven. <laughs> <laughs> so my mother would call me and tell me, go through in detail the end of each Boston Legal show and what, what the fucking lesson was. <laughs> and so, uh, so, they, so David Kelly calls me back and, and says, I have the script. Would you fly out and, uh, and, and do a, a reading uh, with us? And I said, yeah. And so I, what they did was is I had to, um, I went out. Um, what they wanted to do was uh, get me on tape. And I, I went out. And we did it. We we did a tape, and it went, and it was great. I mean, I loved. It was me, just me, him, and the director, and we had a great time. And and, and he let me actually. He's David Kelly, and I'm big on. I mean, I write, so I'm big on words. So I'm hard pressed to want to do other words. But he would. He let me actually. He said, you know, now do it and do it. You know, don't worry about it. Just do what I was trying to write. And he so I could really. It was. I was really comfortable. We did that. We had it. Um, he said, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what I'm, I can. I'm not as big in this as I used to be. It was the only um, network that had not fucked me at this point was 
was NBC. So uh, he, had, he had gone on a bidding war, and NBC had gotten it, decided to do it. And um, we, we did this thing, and, uh, and he said, I'm not as influential. Now, this is three or four years, five years after Alan McBeal. I mean, he, he did nothing but hit shows, and, uh, and he'd lost his influence. So he, he then called me up and said, um, I'm, I'm sure that I've lost my influence. He said, they won't even let me pick the, the, the sixth lead. So it's the sixth person from the top of the show. And uh, so at, the, at that point, I was, um, excuse me, I was, in, uh, I was writing my book. And I was in the midst of writing my book. And, and NBC called to negotiate with, was negotiating with my agents. And what they were offering was shit. And I, and I'm, I mean, granted, it's 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 good money, but it's it was they were offering for an hour what you'd be paid for a half hour, and an hour of that it's like sixteen to eighteen hours a day, and it's fucking brutal, and it's you got to be, and I got to move to California, so that's like, you know, and um, <laughs> and I just said, I said, and I made a number, and the number was not crazy, it wasn't a crazy number. If I'm gonna give up. I, have a, a, I like my life. I like going on the road. I like the, what I fucking do. I like the freedom of being a, you know, that freedom of being a stand-up. I don't, nobody bothers me. The, it's me and the audience. Nobody coming in going, boy, if you did that joke the other way, Gilbert, if you, if you, if you, hadn't, if you hadn't brought up Clem Kadiddlehopper, we would have had a hit show. <laughs> so... So they, <laughs> How many times I've gotten that over the years? <laughs> so I said, I was writing the book, and I really liked writing the book. And they kept calling back, and they wouldn't, they wouldn't budge on it. And I knew that, uh, that they, the, the only reason they were doing it, they wanted to start, and I would, they were going to offer me this. You have to sign a contract before you go to the network. So you're signing the contract already. Then you go, after you sign it, you still, I was still going to have to audition for this. And I wasn't going to, and I thought, wow, they all, all this is what I really thought, and, and, and this is just from being around this for so long. I thought, they're already fucking me. They're already fucking me, and, they, and I haven't signed a contract with them. So imagine just how hard they're going to fuck me when they haven't signed to a contract. So they just had the tip in. Yeah, yeah that part. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I said I, I called David up and I said I can't. He, he, he uh, we talked to each other. He said I'm, I'm really sorry about this. I'm sorry I got you involved in this. I, I really wanted this to be your show. And he, I said, but I, you know, I said I hope you understand. I can't do it because of what, what NBC is doing. I, and he said, no, I get it. And um, and then uh, and and then they um, they gave it to Kathy Bates. <laughs> and I thought, well, if that was the deal, I would have taken the money they were offering, and then I would have had a, you know, I would have had a, I would have gotten breasts to do the role. <laughs> I mean, so it was, and, and, and so it was really a kind of a, but he was through the whole thing, and then when it went on the air, he called me and, and, and really kind of said, I really have to tell you just how much uh, I don't like doing this to an actor. I've said, in the history of, 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 of television, of all the entertainment that I've ever worked in, nobody does that. You know, usually they just, usually it's the guy who's serving you craft food says, you know, they'd let you go.
Gilbert, did you have pilots I, other than the, uh, the well, Larry David? I, I found out I was fired from Saturday Night Live. From they, I, they brought in the new producer, Dick Ebersole, and I was waiting outside the office, and he was going to call me in to say what whether I was staying or going. And on the on the desk outside, there were these fan letters, and one was from some girl in Oklahoma. And I open it up, and she goes, "Dear Gilbert, I'm so sorry about what happened to you." <laughs> Wow, wow, that's good. <laughs> and, and I also remember, too, because you were saying how they say, oh, we want to work with you. And I remember a movie where they were telling me, you know, everyone working on this movie says, Gilbert Gottfried for this part, that's all we want is, is him in this part. And so we want you, whatever you do with this, great. And then after they're stringing me on like this, uh, my agent calls and says, they're not going with you. <coughs> and I say, well, who are they going with? And they go, uh, Dustin Hoffman. You <laughs> <laughs> never told me that. Yeah. I know you lost the part to Billy Barty. Yes, the, the yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and I figured the, the only time in show business where my name and Dustin Hoffman's name... <laughs> You know, the only sentence you could make is, I've seen Gilbert Gottfried's acting, and he's no Dustin Hoffman. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I lost out. I I was auditioning for Mel Brooks uh, for Life Stinks, was the name. (laughs) You you all know that one. Yeah, that's where he loses his money and he becomes homeless. Oh He's a yeah, rich guy. it was it was pretty right. horrible. Right, yeah. and and <laughs> and so they were also they loved me, loved me, loved me, and they gave it to uh, the famous midget Billy Barty. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> who knows who Billy Barty is? Don't disappoint him. All right, great. This tall. I don't know if he was Jewish. I don't <laughs> <know>. <laughs> I never. Louie, you're a good auditioner? You like to audition? You're doing a lot of acting now. You're in the new Pixar movie. That wasn't an audition. Right. But I mean, you've, but, I mean no. generally speaking. Do Gilbert, I like to audition? Yeah. Uh, uh, no. Gilbert hates it. Yeah, no. I, I don't mind it in the sense that um, I'm comfortable uh, going into a room from being a comic, that it's, uh, I do feel like it's my room. So fuck them. So that the, because this is the way I, I deal with it, and this may help you. And if it does, I'd like a little money. Um, <laughs> a little something. I, I, um, because you, you, they're getting, you're the reason they're getting paid. You're the reason. You're on their fucking list. You're one of the. See, if they got the five, they're really looking at, and then they got you and me and you know Schleppy Fartlek. Okay. Schleppy Fartlek. <laughs> also a Jew. I'm sure of yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm and, sure of that. And the thing is, that was his anglicized version. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, but that's. Oh, man. 
but you know, we're the reason that we're the reason that they're getting paid. So I, uh, one one of the reasons I'm comfortable being there is it's like okay, you know, you fuck you, you're you're getting paid because I'm here. So you know. Uh, so that's the reason. And I won't, you don't memorize that shit before you go into it. Uh, no. Yeah, no, no, no good. <laughs> no, fuck that. I, I don't memorize it when I'm actually doing it. <laughs> I just, I did just uh, have an audition that was the, the world's greatest audition. And, and it was uh, Woody Allen. And I went. Um, I went in to see him, and it was for this role. And I, and I, I, I know Woody this much. I know enough. I was in the movie, and uh, I, I'd spent a little time with him when I, I, I did Hannah and his sister. So I, I, I so we were, we're comfortable together, and um, uh, and he was very nice. And uh, um, I, 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 uh, he said, "Look," he said, "I, I didn't really want to bring you in, but I needed to to see you, to see if." if you were really going to play old enough for this role. Um, and I said, uh, I said, it's going to be tough because I, I really always play young. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, so, so this is, I said, in a way, this is like the greatest audition. I'm, this is the most comfortable I've ever been auditioning. I said, because what you're saying to me is um, I'm either going to get the role or I'm not getting it because I'm too young. <laughs> and, I, and he was great. And he literally said, it, it did this in the, every bunch. You know, went, I know you can do this, so I'm not worried about these words. I just really need to, to watch you. Um, just read them, and I just want to watch you, and then I'll figure out if the age thing. And I thought, how fucking good. Now, that's, that's a fun audition. And every so often you'll go in, and somebody who's sitting there behind that table actually gets it. But that's... That's rare. I'd rather have just a big puma walking back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> you know, really. Because you've played some interesting parts. I mean, you've been a, you played a shock jock on Law and Order. You played a professor on The Big Bang Theory. A lot of diversity. You played a penguin in Farce of the Penguins. You were <laughs> you you that Saget fucking yep. <laughs> Saget. <laughs> Saget. I was I was a penguin. You were a yes. penguin as far as the penguins. Yes. Oh, that's one of the greatest casts in the history of fucking yeah, movies. Yeah, I was looking at it last he, night. He on called in favors oh, left yeah. and right. Yeah, yeah, no, really. And he probably he made a gazillion dollars we never saw it. <laughs> <laughs> he, you paid played, his, he paid alimony bills with that fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> and you played a porn director in an episode of Law & Order. I did, yeah. yeah. That was that was good. How'd you research that one? Uh, How'd I, you research that? One? I didn't have to. <laughs> <laughs> That's a movie I have in my head. <laughs> I I was in two Law and Orders as. That's what. Well, uh, that's what you're allowed. Yes, yes. I that's basically it. Yeah. And as a computer geek. And I was also, I was like improvising while I was on there. And and I was like joking, cracking jokes and stuff. And then the director walks over and he took me aside and he said, "Um, could you pull back a little bit? Because this uh, episode is about a little boy who's been murdered.
What was the other part, Gil, other than the computer program? Oh, but I, I, well, I was a computer programmer both times. I remember another time I was on Law and Order. There was this pretty girl there, young actress, and I knew she wasn't a regular. You didn't remember her name. You remember Kuka. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Remembers. The pretty girl, fuck, who knows, Lewis? Nat Hyken's brother-in-law. That might have stuck somewhere in the crevices. It's a selective memory. So so I I said hello to her, and I said, so uh, will you be playing a rape victim? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. And the girl looks at me with like, like smiling cheerfully, and she goes, "No, I'm raped, but I live." Gil, tell Lewis what happened when you auditioned for, uh, when David Steinberg directed you, one of uh, our podcast oh, guests. Yes, David Steinberg, uh, Jew. No. <laughs> the, and he was, he was directing me on some show, I think Mad About You, and, he, and I had to say something and run off. And he, he yells, cut, and he goes, um, could you do it again, please? And make it a little faster. Run a little faster. And I said, um, yeah, I guess I could run faster. And he goes, well, no, no, I, I don't really want it faster, but more gracefully. <laughs> and, and then I said, gracefully? And he goes, yeah, not, not as choppy or awkward. And he keeps, and I'm getting more and more confused, and he's getting frustrated, not knowing how to tell me. And then finally he stops, and he sighs, and he goes, can you run less Jewish? <laughs> wow. And I knew immediately, and I was... <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> we should uh, we should start to wind down, and we'll t- we'll take some questions. If anybody has any questions, we would love from questions for Gil, questions about the show, questions for Lewis. Anybody? Okay, now you want to know who played Doctor <laughs> Frankenstein's son? <laughs> Lionel Atwell. That was no, that was Sir uh, Sir Cedric Hardwick. Cedric Hardwick. Yes, he came up in the first week with Dick yes, Cavett. Yes, which we have one right here. See the English actor, Sir Cedric Hardwick, who was knighted, right? Uh, and he he was a brilliant actor, an old English, a British actor, and I heard <laughs> that uh, some he was having. <laughs> He was having trouble getting an erection. <laughs> he was having trouble with impotence. So Sir Cedric Hardwick used to introduce himself as Sir Seldom Harddick. <laughs> I stepped on your punchline. Question was here. Yes. Uh, 
He sings every week. I know. Yeah. We met in. Um, at a, at a, uh, Did everybody hear the question? Kathleen Madigan is a, is a comic, a terrific comic, and a friend of Lewis's. And the question was, how did their friendship begin? Yeah, we, uh, when I first started going on the road as a comic, which was like 25, some 30 years ago, something, um, and I was in Chicago at a Catch a Rising Star. She was the opening act. And uh, we both, uh, and, and, the, and the thing was, is we played at a Hyatt Hotel, and the Hyatt Hotel had this bar, and the bar had... Um, one of those bars behind it was like, you know, they had like uh, ladders to go up. There was just not enough liquor in the universe at this high. <laughs> so you had to actually, they had to climb ladders to get shit because they had fucking tons of this stuff. And we both had a, a real affinity to, well, I did, uh, uh, I had a big affinity towards scotch. And, uh, and I was going to drink every single malt scotch. Scotch gets applause. In the, yeah, scotch gets applause. The, Initially, the Jew didn't get you had to beg for the applause. But so we would we just hung out at the bar and uh, and talked and talked. And she was, I've seen maybe I don't I don't know about you. I mean, in, 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 but I've seen three three comics who were naturals in my life who we instinctively got it. And uh, she'd been on the road uh, eight months and she was already pretty much a headliner. And I'd never seen anybody that polished already and really funny, just instinctively funny and and, and comfortable on the stage. And uh, and we became friends. And then we and then we went out for a couple of years. And uh, and that really didn't work because we were never we 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 were never together. We were both you know headlining and stuff. So we uh, so we've been you know friends ever since. Very funny comic, Kathleen. Yeah, yeah. tremendous. Deserves much more attention than she. Kathleen gets. Madigan. Yeah. Question right here, this gentleman. I'd love to hear uh, Lewis's take on the aristocrats joke. Oh! Uh, well, uh, we don't have time for that. You mean what? <laughs> you mean what Gilbert did? <laughs> oh yeah. What, what, what Gilbert did was uh, that's that's about as brilliant a uh, moment as you're ever going to see uh, for him. First off. First off, I'll tell you this. Um, where, where was that? We, that was in New York? That was, yeah, okay. the Friars. Okay, that's the uh, first mistake. Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, that, the joke he told that, that they didn't laugh at was, a, was fucking funny. And um, it's funny, if it, but it's not funny fucking here. It's, it, but if, you go to, if he was in San Francisco and told that joke, they would have laughed at that joke. Because San Francisco, I went out three days after 9-11 and, um, and, I, 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 and, and went to San Francisco. San Francisco is a town which is living 10 years ahead of us. They're like on their own fucking planet. It was like they already, seriously, psychically, that 9-11 had already taken place in the minds of San Francisco 10 years before that. It's why they don't fucking live here. <laughs> and I know this is hard for some of you to follow, and I can tell by your kind of skewed attention toward me. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's not that tough. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> so I felt that... 
um, that the the joke it was it was it was an insane place to do that joke. Didn't you have a yeah. friend? Yeah, yeah. I I I said I the joke I said it was a few days after September 11th. I know. Yeah. And and I said I have to leave early tonight. I have to catch a flight to L.A. <laughs> I couldn't get a direct flight. We have to make a stop at the Empire State Building. <laughs> now, now, at no time did you think to turn... No! Because <laughs> I did... It was three days after 9-11, and I was in San Francisco, and I said stuff that I could not have said here. And the audience responded because I, I said stuff about Bush that I couldn't have said here. Yeah. I said that that I thought that what what, what Bush did was as, as far as I was concerned uh, was he shows up three days afterwards, and I went berserk about it. I went on stage for fifty minutes and just spewed. Apparently, uh, I I don't really know really what I said there, <laughs> um, because I none of my it was none of my act. It was just this is where I came from and this is what happened. And then the president of the United States doesn't show up till three days afterwards. What fucking what a prick! What a, and even they and they got it because what are you doing three days later? You fucking show up right fucking now, you fucking asshole. If you don't want us to be afraid, you're like hanging away. Fuck you. So that was the, I mean, so I'm allowed to say that there, which is pretty fucking over the, over the top, and it's not even a joke. So you got <laughs> fucked. <laughs> you, you were just in the wrong town. But it, but it led to the aristocrats. But really. it led yeah, to that, I mean, yeah, but for you to, that. Re- but th- that recovery is extraordinary. Yeah, it, I mean, that's an extraordinary recovery. I would not, I would have actually, what I would have done was have somebody then hold a butter knife and I would have run at it. <laughs> Right here. This, is that a gentleman I see? Yes, right here. Wow, you are leading the witness, my friend. Yes. The, 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 the question was, Gilbert, could you tell us how Paul Lind and what General Patton would feel about, about Gilbert and Lewis? Well, see, it turns out... <laughs> I have it on good authority, having worked on Hollywood Squares, and and some of the producers worked on the original and told me that Paul Lynn was like just the most vicious anti-Semite. <laughs> Is that right? Yes, yes. And and he would like they'd have all the celebrities there during lunchtime, all exchanging stories and having a good time. Paul Lynn would be bombed out of his skull. <laughs> and he would get him more vicious. And he'd be sitting there going, oh, those fucking Jews. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Hitler should have killed all of them. <laughs> They're the reason I don't have a career. (laughs) And General George Patton, who they say had a high-pitched voice. A high-pitched voice. And, you know, he he didn't talk like George C. Scott. (laughs) 
<laughs> and he was a World War II general, a hero, and he helped us defeat Hitler. But they said his feelings about Jews were pretty much the same as Hitler's. And, 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 and General Patton used to say in his high-pitched voice, they should keep the Jews locked up in those camps. <laughs> Hey Gil, what, yes. why, real briefly, why don't you tell the why don't you tell the other Paul Lynn story? Because I'll bet uh, listen, we're taking requests. It's 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 like Freebird. It's like Leonard Skinner. We're cigarette lighters. <laughs> yeah. now, this story's now, been told on the show now probably. I've heard nighttime. someone telling me they heard a different variation on well, it. Well, tell that. Well, see, I heard it was like in a barn that Paul. Lynn, <laughs> Pauline was going to be doing dinner theater. And, but then I heard a better version that he was in the solid gold dancer's dressing room. Whoa. Which the solid gold dancers weren't there. And, <laughs> but Pauline walks into the solid gold <laughs> dancer's dressing room and, and he says... This place smells like cunt. <laughs> and then he goes, but don't take my word for it. <laughs> it never gets old. Yes, there was one over there way in the back against the wall. Yes. <laughs> you're getting, you're getting I love it. Right there in the back. Did you play a character in the movie Bad Medicine uh, yes. with Richard Pryor? Yeah, uh, no, no, no. That was with oh, uh, Steve uh, Gutenberg. Sorry, Steve Gutenberg. Julie Haggerty and, and Alan Arkin. Wow. And and yeah. and, <laughs> and, my, and my friend uh, Joe Grafazzi. Yes. Oh, Joe Grafazzi. Yes. yes. Yeah. Now, because yeah. you didn't say his name, <laughs> he's here, and I'm gonna have to fucking listen to him whine about it. Is he here? Is, is he actually here? Yeah, he is here. Joe Grafazzi. Joe we're big fans. I had the wrong movie. Anyway, my character's name was Tony Sandoval. That's terrific. Yeah, yeah. Is that what you wanted to know? I don't remember. Okay, fantastic. And, and I remember all of us... You know, like, we, we, we did it in Madrid, the movie, and all of us were struggling with our bad Spanish accents. <laughs> and, and in one part, I, I had to say to someone who's wearing sneakers, uh, the rules of the school, and I say, old shoes must be black. And it comes out in the film with my Spanish accent as, old juice must be black. <laughs> Cast you as a Spaniard. Yes. It's <laughs> mind-boggling. Other questions? Right in the middle there, that hand, left hand up. Little question for Lewis. How do you feel about Trevor taking over the Daily Show, Lewis? Uh, um, uh, he won't... He... he, he he may think he's taking over. Um, 
that uh, as, as long as I am present, really, uh, I've always been, as far as I'm concerned, the show. And then... <laughs> and then... And then they run this stuff for weeks and weeks and weeks around the show. It's, it's one of the most unusual instances in the case of television that the other stuff would actually be longer than the real show itself. Now, I, uh, I, my feeling about... I don't know Trevor, and uh, the only thing that I've felt uh, upset about was is, uh, b- when, when they let Craig Kilborn go... Um, and uh, when he left to, to, I guess, enter the ether. Um, yeah, where is he? Uh, uh, I don't know. Where the fuck is he? I don't know. And, um, Joe Grafazzi. And uh, he, um, they, didn't, they didn't really audition. Uh, they auditioned some of the folks at the show at that time, and they didn't audition me, and that kind of pissed me off because I just thought, you know, etiquette you know i'm on the show i've been on the show from the beginning i'm one of the first ones uh you you might don't you don't you don't have to give me the fucking job just do a pretend thing (laughs) pretend oh no it's not gonna work out (laughs) that's what you do if you if you know that's that's it's social graces and um it's stuff that's just not seemed to be taught at the network and uh and this was Trevor's kind of partly, Trevor's partly um, the choice of uh, John and, and I guess, you know, and, and certainly Comedy Central. But they, I, what I had said, what my agent had basically, what I asked for was, as I said, can I just take it over for three months um, and, and see what happens? And I, because I didn't really think I ever wanted to do more than three months because it's fucking, it's that interview shit. Now, I mean, I, and it really is. <laughs> But, but you know, but you pick the people. But in a sense, you pick the yes. people. And I, yes. when I first worked on, uh, when I was first working in, in kind of breaking into Comedy Central, they had a radio thing, and I could interview comics, and they just brought me comics to talk to, and I loved it. Uh, but to sit there with like. Uh, you know, Clara Hosewire, who's in the new, uh, you know, Duck Fuckers Part 6. You know, and I gotta go, yeah, and what was it like on the set? And I, what's Jimmy really like? Uh, I don't care. I don't give a fuck. You know, and I can't get through a book on my own, let alone you're gonna hand me, like, the American presidency, and it's like 700 pages long. I, I could sit on it during the interview, be taller. I mean, it, it just so, so I knew that I was, it wasn't something, I like doing what I do, but I'd like to have been given the three months. And I thought what they should do is then really find someone that, and, and bring them in. And, and in a sense, they're doing something that, look, the good news is this, that, as, as much as John is really important to the show, and it is his show, um, the other engine of that show, and just as important are the folks who wrote it and produced it. And, and the fact that he, Trevor, does not have, he's not coming in with a power base. It's not like someone who's a well-known, you know, got a well-known persona bringing, bringing in their own writers. 
means that the engine stays in place. And if the engine stays in place, it's going to be fucking funny. It's not going to be what it was before, but I guarantee it's going to be funny because we threw away... We've, I used to, they, they throw away more funny stuff than most shows do. And that's, the, and that's the, just the truth. So it'll, 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 things will be fine. And now, if I'm not on the show because of his entrance to the show, then the, 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 all bets are off. And this, the show won't be on because the studio will be burnt to the ground. <laughs> Is there a part of the room I, and, ne- I neglected? And, and I, I want to announce I've just been fired as the lead duck in <laughs> Duck Fuckers Part 6. <laughs> brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Yes, right here. Yeah, I, I won't. I can't do that. Yeah, that's. I just won't. Can you? No. No, I mean, I do know. I do know people that I think are. Uh, it's not so much hacks, but fucks. Uh, that has a big effect, you know. Like they don't just get the basic, you know, kind of. You got to be nice and shit like that. It's not tough. It's really not hard to be nice. You're working. With, what do you max? Sometimes. 50 minutes a night in a club? Really? That's fucking tough, you fucking asshole? <laughs> so, so uh, you know what I mean. It's, there, there's people who like act like they're God's fucking gift, the, the entitled ones. There, there are a few of them around. Most people get it. It's a pretty good club to be a part of. We all appreciate what we do. Look, either way you cut it, um, for me, it's that these are... That, if they did the work, then what am I, who am I to say? You know, they did the work, fuck it. I mean, I wouldn't, I don't enjoy their comedy and, and that's that. But I don't like to, to, to call names, you know, you know, point out people like that. I just don't, it's not my, not my nature, you know. <laughs> unless, unless the money's good. <laughs> let me go to this, let me go to this side of the room. This la- do the last one. They're waving in the back. So one here is in the middle. Somebody's got their hand up. Do I see it? A right hand? <laughs> when did Gilbert last sing Dummy in the Window? Well, you want to explain maybe, Dummy maybe in the Window? Today. <laughs> what, what? what is this? <laughs> this is, seriously, You're going to be sorry you asked. I am, no, I am seriously. I'm, I, uh, I, it's, it's, seriously, I, I feel this has been one of the most educational weeks. Thank you. Of my life. It's like been a week. <laughs> I've learned more. I've got to get home and write the notes down. There. Okay. There was a comedian by the name of Larry Raglan, this black comedian, who uh, used to sing this song, Dummy in the Window. And since you wanted it... <laughs> Today, I thought I saw a dummy in the window. I looked and it was you wearing a new dress 
as usual, trying to look your best impossible. Cause with you, it's not really what you wear. Why don't you wash your face? It's a disgrace. Today, I thought I saw a bear in the garden. I Basically it. And it was you. <laughs> Whatever happened to Larry Raglan? Uh-huh. He he was in Duck Fuckers. Duck Fuckers. <laughs> he got the role that I was fired from. Where did wait 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 wait? Uh, I can't. Where did you? Uh, where did where was this song sung? Tantalizing song. Oh, yes. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it! And I worked there and I missed it. <laughs> They're giving me the light, Lou. We want to plug anything you want to plug. You've got uh, the the Pixar movie coming out in June. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, really. You're so stand- your career swinging. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for the yeah, if you, if you, yeah, really, this will be good. I'll be in Traverse City, Michigan next week. <laughs> you may want to you may want to roll into Grand Rapids. You can catch me in Detroit next Saturday. <laughs> You did a benefit for the uh, the, the Bill of Rights. Uh, yeah, Louis yeah. Black's "Let Freedom Laugh." Yeah, we did a. Benefit. Why are they sick? <laughs> <laughs> and you can you can see that on Access TV, but it, uh, it, you can't see it in New York. So fuck it. No, it's on. It's on. I, really? I DVR'd it. It's on Access in New York. Yeah, yeah. but which? What do you have? Which? Time Warner. Time, Time Warner, Warner has Warner. it? Excuse me, I have uh, 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 Vios. Just Fios. make shit up. Vios. Yeah. <laughs> Time Warner doesn't carry. I have a BD Vios. So Pixar's Inside Out, You Play Anger, opens yep. June 19th. Opens June 19th, and, uh, uh, and this is the weirdest thing. I'm going to go. They're taking us... Because uh, this is something I never thought would happen in my lifetime. Just imagine this. They're taking us to, to Cannes for the film festival. That's great. So, so it would figure it's just so perfect that I would, would get to go to Cannes, and how would it happen? I get to go as a cartoon character. That's right. <laughs> that was funny. Lewis, I hope it's been educational. It is. <laughs> seriously. I'm going to call my mother and go through some of these things with her. <laughs> Thanks for doing it. Thanks for coming oh, on, everybody. Pleasure. We really Thanks. appreciate it. Oh, you guys it. were great. Maestro. This has been Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast with my co-host Frank Santopadre at Caroline's in New York City. Yes, we're at Caroline's on Broadway. We forgot to say that. Thank you, Caroline's. And, and, 
And we've been interviewing the guy who claims that he's a Jew. Louis <laughs> <laughs> Black. It hasn't... <laughs> Zero is beautiful accounting software built to help small businesses be more productive and successful. Sign up for a free, that's right, free 30-day trial at Zero. That's spelled X-E-R-O, Zero.com slash podcast. If you like listening to comedy, try watching it on the internet. The folks behind the Sideshow Network have launched a new YouTube channel called Wait For It. It's got interviews with comedians like Reggie Watts, Todd Glass, Liza Schleisinger. Schleisinger, I've been friends with her for 10 years. One of the funniest people out there, and I still have a hard time with the last name, Liza. Our very own Owen Benjamin, that's me, takes you on a musical journey down internet rabbit holes and much more. You don't have to wait any longer. Just go to youtube.com slash waitforitcomedy. There's no need to wait for it anymore. Because it's here. And it's funny. And I love you. A few days ago, Brooke Tudine posted an inspirational quote on her wall that got 17 likes and 3 comments. Thumbs up, Brooke. Geico also wants to make a comment. In just 15 minutes, you could save hundreds of dollars on your car insurance by switching to Geico. And nothing says inspiration better than saving money. Well, except for those posters that say things like teamwork, excellence, and make it happen. Hashtag keep climbing. Hashtag savings. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance.